Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul declares that Jesus Christ himself is our peace. In Jesus, we are at peace with God. Without Jesus, we have no peace with God whatsoever. There is nothing in this life that is more important than being at peace with the triune God. Do you have the peace of Jesus Christ today? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Are you trusting and relying in Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Let's open our Bible now to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at this incredible principle of Jesus Christ, our peace. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's a Saturday afternoon here in Texas and hopefully y'all just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's nothing in our lives that'll benefit us more, edify us more. There, there is nothing in our lives more worthwhile than growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. My lovely wife, May, is off at a, uh, I think it's a, it's a camp gladiator Spartan, you know, um, deal where, you know, you go and you run through all these obstacles. It's like a 13 mile deal that she does with her, her, uh, her camp gladiator buddies. And so, uh, you know, we just bless y'all sweetheart in the name of Jesus. Hopefully y'all are just, uh, just having a good time and being strong Spartans for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, Stephen and I are here just, uh, you know, doing the work. So today we are, uh, Lord willing, going to finish up Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, the plan is to do verses 11 through 22. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness on our lives. Father, we thank you that we have our Bible. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life for us. We thank you for dying a, a perfect, righteous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And we worship you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Ephesians 2, we're going to start reading in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations." His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, 
thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Strong stuff. Uh, again, it's the Apostle Paul who, who wrote this letter. Um, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says in verse 11, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. He's saying, therefore, obviously saying in light of what I've just said, right? In light of the fact, verse 8, 9, and 10, that it, you know, your salvation came by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. There was nothing you could do to earn it, right? It's a gift of God that can only be received, right? John 1, 12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So he, he goes, you know, he says in verse eight, you know, this verse we went over last time, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse nine, not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So again, we see here that, that nothing we do saves us. Our obedience doesn't save us. Doing good doesn't save us, doesn't help save us. So we're not saved by works, but verse 10 makes it clear that we were saved for works. So again, uh, if you're a Christian today, um, there ought to be a lifestyle of living for Christ, using your time, your talents, and your money in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Most people who claim to believe in Jesus Christ have, you know, have very little lifestyle of, of using their time and talents and money in the advancement of the kingdom of God. I mean, there are around 2 billion people who call themselves Christians that, that are believers in Jesus Christ. Um, and so if you look at your life today, you know, how much of your day each day do you spend in interaction with Jesus and thinking about Jesus and talking about Jesus? And for the vast majority of, uh, of people, it's, you know, it's very, very little, right? Then there is a percentage of Christians that is trying to grow in their relationship with Christ. So, so where are you today in your walk with Christ? And again, uh, today is the day to begin, okay? Today is the day, wherever you are, to begin being intentional in your relationship with Jesus Christ, right? Being intentional, growing to know him, intentional in spending time in your Bible, and being intentional in, uh, in serving him and his kingdom. Again, using the time that, that uh, God has given you, using the, the gifts and talents, the things that uh, you're good at, and using your money, beginning to do that more and more, 
again, for the advancement of the word of God, the gospel of God, and the kingdom of God. So examine yourself, and again, just make the adjustments. There, there is a time, y'all, okay, when we leave this life, as Christians, we're going to go before what's called the judgment seat of Christ, okay? Every Christian that's a true Christian will go before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account for how we lived our lives. And that ought to be sobering to us, that we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how we lived our lives. This will have nothing to do with our salvation, but it will determine our reward in heaven. And so, you know, when you stand before Jesus, you obviously want to have something to show for your life, right? You want, you know, you want your life to have counted for something. When you stand before Jesus, you don't want to look and see if you lived, what, 85 years that, you know, pretty much all of it was lived in just self-fulfillment. You used all of your time, all your talents, all of your money in just living life for yourself and, you know, your life and your wife and your kids and your home and your vacation and your retirement and your savings. Um, and again, that's how the vast majority of us as Christians live. Um, and so when we stand before Jesus, we'll have to give an account. And again, however we lived our life, the work that we did in the advancement of his kingdom will determine our reward in heaven, our position in heaven, how we experience heaven, okay? It'll have nothing to do with us going to heaven because that happens, again, by just receiving the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord, right? So after saying all that, Paul goes on to say in verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Um, Gentiles by birth. Okay, I've said this before. There are only two types of people in the Bible. Jews and anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Okay, so if, if you don't have a, a Jewish heritage or a Jewish background or a Jewish nationality, um, then you're non-Jewish and biblically you're a Gentile. Um, and Paul is telling the Ephesians um, to remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth. Okay, so, so we were not born into a Jewish family, right? We're, we're not Jewish. We're something else. We're, you know, Polish or, you know, Lithuanian or Italian um, or Hispanic, um, you know, or, or whatever it is, right? African, um, Asian. So all of these, all of us are Gentiles, okay? Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Um, the the Jews had a, you know, they, they had, they had, they were trusting in this outward sign of when a man was circumcised, right, in his flesh, um, that, that that sign, which was given to Abraham, right, by, by God, right, um, that, you know, that, that, that made you special, right, and they believed themselves to be superior to all the people that weren't circumcised, right, so Paul said that remember that, you know, you were called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, those who, who believe that they were elite and that they were special in God's sight. Paul makes it clear that the circumcision he's speaking about is not circumcision of the heart, which is what we have in Christ, right? We need our, our heart circumcised, right? Not our, our physical body as men, right? Um, you know, 
the vast majority of men are circumcised. Uh, I guess on the day of your birth, they do it now, um, like right after you're born. Um, and I guess there's advantages to it for hygiene and stuff like that. But there's certainly no no advantage to it in having a relationship with God, right? We need our heart to be circumcised, right? We don't, you know, uh, the cutting away of a foreskin in, the, in a male body does nothing to draw you to Christ. But we need to cut away, right, the, the hardness of our heart and cut away the, you know, the unbelief in our heart. We need to be circumcised in our heart. That's why Paul says he's talking about that done in the body by the hands of men. Verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So he tells him to remember here in verse 11, and he tells him to remember in verse 12 what life was like before they had Christ, okay? Um, this is an exercise that, that would benefit every one of us to do every single day, that to, to remember the time in your life where, you know, where you had no Jesus. Remember a time before you were walking with Jesus. Now, many people will say, well, I believed in Jesus my whole life. Um, I'm talking about a time where, you know, where you really had no lifestyle of Christ at all. Now, as I said, many Christians are still in that place. Many people who claim to be believers in Jesus are still in this place where they really have no relationship at all, right, rap with, uh, with Jesus Christ. Um, but for those of us who are walking with Jesus, for those of us who do know we've received him as our Lord and Savior, those of us who know that we're forgiven in Jesus Christ and have a lifestyle of, of walking with Christ and growing with Christ and, and serving Christ, right? And, uh, and again, trying to use our time, talents, and money to, to advance the kingdom of God and the word of God and the gospel of God. It, it does us well to remember as Christians, what life was like before we came to Christ, right, Stephen? I mean, um, the guys at Kingdom D, uh, really all of them, right, all the leaders are, uh, you know, they're adult converts, so they can all remember this time. Paul says in verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Before we received Christ, we were separate from Christ. Paul says, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and so it was a big deal, right, to be to be a, a citizen of Israel. You you know you had access to the temple that if you weren't a Jew, right, and you 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 weren't a citizen of Israel, you didn't have the same kind of access. You were you know you were made to stand outside, right, in an outer court. Um, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, meaning. Um, you, God was foreign to you, right? You, you know, you really had, you know, no understanding of God whatsoever, no understanding of the, of the promises of the old Testament. Um, and he goes on to say without hope and without God in the world. Okay. If you're not in Christ today, you are without hope and without God in the world. That's what it means to not be in Christ, okay? So this is why, you know, we so zealously, so passionately, so, you know, uh, you know, begging you to give your life to Jesus Christ because without Jesus Christ, 
There's no hope. You're without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 2.12. That's a big deal. Okay. Um, So it's not, uh, I understand that sounds heavy and it sounds to, to many as intolerant, but it's just the opposite, right? This is what, I didn't write this, right? This is the word of God. Okay. The word of God in Ephesians 2.12 that says, if you're not in Christ or before you came to Christ, you were without hope and without God in the world. Okay. So there is there is no relationship with God. There is no understanding of who God is. There is no light. There is no revelation. There is no understanding if you're not in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ do you receive spiritual life. Only when you receive Jesus Christ do you receive eternal life. In Jesus Christ, you have relationship with God the Father. Is your heavenly father with God the Son Jesus as your Lord, your Master, your Savior, your King. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter, right? But if you're not in Jesus Christ today, the Word of God says you are without hope and without God in the world. And so this is why we plead with you to if you know to give your life to Jesus Christ, to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Simply humble yourself before Him. Confess yourself a sinner. We all know that we've all done wrong. We're all sinful. And because of our sin, we're hopeless, helpless, we're desperate, and only eternal hell awaits if we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So again, if you're not sure, humble yourself before Jesus. Confess yourself a sinner and just call on him and receive him. Simply pray to him and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinful person. I know that I've done wrong, Lord. Lord, I know that I'm hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I do believe you came into this world and lived a perfect life, even for me, and died a, a torturous death, Lord, even for me. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian, okay? Now, again, it's, you don't become a Christian just by walking through a method and saying words, okay? Uh, John 1.12 says, yet to, yet to all who received him, Jesus To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So it's not our words that save us, but we do use our words to communicate our heart to Jesus. I say it over and over, right? And so again, you simply humble yourself and sincerely and genuinely, you know, receive Jesus Christ, knowing that without him, again, only eternal hell awaits. So again, if you're not sure, stop the tape, rewind it, use the words I used, but sincerely and genuinely receive Jesus Christ because without him, you're without hope. We're hopeless and without God in the world. We're living our lives completely separate from God if we're not in Jesus Christ. Okay. So, you know, wherever you are today, if you're just, you know, if you consider yourself some kind of free thinker, if you're on the fence, if you're an agnostic, if uh, you're into some kind of new age religion, if you're into a Buddhism or Hinduism, or uh, Islam, or, or whatever it is. Any, any, anything that's not in Christ, 
Just humble yourself before Jesus. Acknowledge him for who he is. God, right? Your God became a human man for you. Lived a perfect life for you. Died a perfect death for you and, and is alive and risen, right? And when you receive Jesus as your savior, all of your sin, past, present, and future sin is credited to Jesus at the cross and the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you. That, that exchange, that incredible exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel, right? It's amazing. And then with Jesus, you, you have complete hope and you have, you have relationship with God. So it's the opposite of being without hope and without God in the world. You have deep and intimate relationship. God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So again, he says uh, the Gentiles, remember the Jewish people, they had the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were over 300 prophecies that the Messiah, the Savior would come. But they had the word of God in the 39 books of the Old Testament. They had the Old Testament scriptures. It was incredible. They had the Bible. Uh, the non-Jews, the Gentiles didn't have any of this. So he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away. Okay. Again, um, you had, you had no knowledge of God whatsoever in any manner or in any way you were worshiping false gods. You had false beliefs. You, you didn't have the Bible. You, you, you had nothing. You were without hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, again, the Jews were near because they had the Old Testament scriptures. They had the, the promised Savior that was, that was promised to come. Jesus was Jewish, right? Um, it says, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. In Jesus now, um, it's, we're no more are Gentiles far away. No more are the Jewish people closer than the non-Jewish people, Okay. You who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ means there means by his death, right? But when you receive Jesus Christ, right, the, the death of Jesus Christ, Jesus died in our place, right? He paid the penalty for our sin, Becky, right? Um, and so all of us have a sin debt to God, right? All of us have lived a sinful life. And we're accountable to that. God's justice must be satisfied. When you, when you receive Jesus Christ, the death that Jesus died on the cross, he died in your place and in my place. He was judged in your place and my place. He was punished in our place, right? And that debt of sin is paid by Jesus in our place. We should have died that horrible death on the cross and we should have spent eternity in hell, right? But... Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Again, the blood he shed represents his death, that he died in our place and on, on our behalf that we should have died, right? Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. You see that? Jesus himself is our peace. No Jesus, no peace, okay? So again, do you see the... Do you see just the, 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 the absolute objective forcefulness of the text? Okay. Again, we're just going through the Bible here, Corinne, right? 
verse by verse, right? It's, it's right there. Go pick up any Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, for he himself is our peace, okay? Jesus is our peace, and only in Jesus do we have peace, and the more time we spend growing to know Jesus and walking with Jesus and obeying Jesus, the more peace we'll have in this life, certainly as well as the next, right? For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And so Paul's speaking here of the division of, of the peoples, right? Where, where it had, had always been up until Jesus came and lived the perfect life and died the perfect death and rose again, there was this division of, of the Jewish people and the Gentile people. And, you know, they, 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 were, they were completely divided, okay? There was Old Testament laws that came in and said there were rules for what, you know, what Gentiles could do and what they couldn't do. Um, and again, it was just, uh, it, you know, it, was, it, was, it, was, it just created separation, right? Um, it was a time of separation. But in Christ, right, it says, it says, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jews and Gentiles were, you know, we, we've never seen racism like they had between the Jews and the Gentiles. They absolutely abhorred one another, right? And obviously, you know, we, we've had racism problems, right, in our nation. Um, and, 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 you know, we still have some issues of racism. I'll say as a, as a side note, racism is evil, Okay. Uh, but the only cure for racism is, is not social programs, okay? The only cure for racism or all evil is Jesus because racism is sin, okay? And, and sin cannot be cured, right, um, in, in any way without Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and so it says that Jesus who has made the two one, Jews and Gentiles, we are now one in Jesus Christ. We're part of one body of Jesus Christ, who has made the two one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, taken away all the hostility, all the racism, all of that is destroyed in Jesus Christ. And that will be the only cure for all evil today, for all racism, for all prejudice, for all injustice, right? The only cure is in Jesus, who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So again, um, in Christ, we both have equal access in Christ, God the Father is our Heavenly Father, no matter what our heritage is, right? No matter what our nationality is, okay? Whether we're Jewish or not Jewish, whether we're Gentiles, no matter where we've come from, right? All of that is taken away in Jesus Christ, and we all have equal access to God. It's incredible, right? Um, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making 
peace. Okay, so all the division, right, between Jews and Gentiles and all the division in our world today. He wants to create himself one. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a part of this one new man. You become a part of the one body of Christ, right? We are all spiritually, as genuine Christians, regardless of our heritage, regardless whether we're Jewish or not, whether we're Gentiles, we're all part of this one new man in Jesus Christ our Lord, right? You're a, you're a part of the spiritual body of Christ, right? His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, verse 16, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Okay, so again, in Jesus Christ, we come together, we're reconciled to God, we're reconciled to one another, and we're in one body. It says, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Okay, the cross is the central point of all human history. It's only at the cross that we're reconciled to God, that we're reconciled to one another, um, that we come into peace with the triune God um, and come to peace with one another. We're a family of believers in Jesus Christ. And all 8 billion people in the world are invited to this family. And all 8 billion people that are living in the world today, there's about 8 billion people living right now, Every single one needs Jesus Christ and needs this reconciliation and needs this, needs this peace, right? And it said he did it through the cross, okay? Again, he did it by giving his life on the cross. He not only reconciled us individually as sinners, but he reconciled everything, right? Every problem, every division, everything becomes reconciled and at peace in the cross of Jesus Christ. And only then can we as, as a new believer, as a new spiritually alive man or woman living with spiritual life now inside of us can go out and live this way, right? Live in this new eternal spiritual life, right? It's incredible. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Again, what he's saying there is that those who were far away were the Gentiles, right? Who had, had did not have the Old Testament scriptures, right? Had no idea at all, right? Just believed whatever nonsense came into their mind or whatever people told them, right? They did not have the word of God, okay? The only place for us to get knowledge and understanding about who God is, is our Bible, okay? This is why he's given us the word of God. We have the word of God, the 39 books of the Old Testament, and now the 27 books of the New Testament, okay? We have that so we know who God is, right? We have it so that we know who we are not, okay? And we have it so we, it's our handbook for life. The Bible commands us what to believe, and it commands us how to live, right? The Bible makes it clear that every human being is sinful, that, that all of us have fallen short of God's standard, Romans 3.23, that we all need a Savior, and there is only one Savior, Jesus Christ, and that without him only hell awaits, okay? Out of his own mouth, Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Those are his own words. Okay. So again, it's the word of God where we learn all this. So Paul said he came and preached. All right. Jesus, peace. Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away. Right. Wherever you are today in the world, you have, you'll have peace in Jesus Christ. Okay. You'll have peace with God first, with the triune God. And then you'll have peace and come into relationship with all believers in Jesus Christ. And you'll be part of the, the family of God. But without Jesus, there, there is no family. Okay, That's why he became a man. Jesus Christ is God. Your God, God the Son, Jesus, became a human man for all humanity. Lived a perfect life on behalf of all humanity. Died a perfect, righteous, torturous death on behalf of all humanity. And was raised from the dead. And all you need to do is receive him. Right? All you need to do is humble yourself. Acknowledge your need of a savior. And humbly ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And to save you from your sin. Right? John 1.12. Yet to all who received him. All who received him. To those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. He came and preached peace to you who were far away. Again, he's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking to the Ephesians who didn't have the, the Old Testament scriptures. And peace to those who were near, right? Even And those who were near were the Jewish people who already had all the advantages of the Old Testament, right? They were, they were far closer to God, but they still did not have peace, okay? Whether you're Jewish today or not Jewish, we all need Christ. Only in Christ do we have peace with God only in Christ do we have the forgiveness of our sins. Only in Christ do we spend eternity in heaven and avoid an eternity in hell. Verse 18, for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's an incredible verse, by the way. You see that in there, Uncle Dennis, in uh, Ephesians 2.18. It's one of those few verses in the Bible that, that clearly outlines the Trinity. Okay, we have a triune God. Okay, one being, one God, represented in three distinct, separate persons. Okay, so they're actually three separate persons. I'm one being. I'm a human being, right? Um, but I'm also one person. I'm John Morton, right? Um, God is one being, but there's so much to him. He's actually three separate, distinct individual persons. It's incredible, right? God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the Holy spirit. And look here in verse 18, it says, and for through him, Jesus, we both have access to the father by one spirit. And he means by the Holy spirit there. So you can see the, every member of the Trinity in Ephesians two eighteen. for through him, through Jesus, we both have access. All Jewish people, all non-Jewish people, all Gentiles have access to the heavenly father by one spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. He comes and he joins himself to you and you become one in spirit with Jesus. OK, um, you become part of the, you know, the body of Christ. You're part of the, the bride of Christ. You're married to Jesus spiritually you're one with him in spirit right but through him jesus we both have access to the father 
by one spirit. And just having access to God the Father, again, is, is the meaning of all life. And again, that only happens in and through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You see that? Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So no more is it a big deal to be a citizen of Israel. Now you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Look at this. Excuse me. Look at this, Peyton. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Okay. Again, when you're not in Jesus Christ, you're a foreigner and you're an alien. And there's, you have no understanding or no relationship with God, nor is it possible. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Just, I mean, let that sink in, right, Jason? You are a member of the household of God, right? I mean, that's your house, okay? Just like, you know, your children, they come and they, they live in your house. They're a member of your household and your family, and they're always welcome, right? In Christ Jesus, you're not only a citizen of heaven, a proper citizen in Christ, but you're a member of God's household. We're all one family in Jesus Christ, and we have all the, the privileges that go with being a member of the household of God, right? Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Okay, what does this mean? Verse 20. So we are members of God's household. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Okay, um, it's, it's the apostles who wrote the New Testament, right? Um, the apostles who the Spirit of God led to give us the Word of God in the New Testament. Okay, and so, you know, there are still people today, again, who consider themselves apostles. Um, and, and, and prophets, and that, that very well may be, okay? Um, again, uh, you know, uh, when we get to chapter four, it's going to say that Jesus did appoint apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. These are the offices of ministry that he's given to, to lead in his church. Um, there are people who believe that, that the office of apostle and prophet is no longer, no longer, you know, in operation. doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. Okay? It doesn't say that the, the operation or the office of the apostle has ended or profit. Okay? Now, the foundation has been built. Okay? There are no more apostles and prophets that are laying the foundation. Right, That's come from guys like the apostle Paul and Peter and John, um, Matthew, those who wrote the New Testament. Okay? Um, and then again, there were New Testament prophets and Old Testament prophets, right, who spoke about the Messiah that would come. So the, the scripture is finished, okay? The 66 books of the Bible are complete, okay? So built on the foundation, we're members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Again, those who wrote the scriptures, right? Those who gave us the word of God, the prophets that proclaim the coming of Christ, right? Um Again, there's over 300 prophecies, right? You see the major ones in Isaiah. You see it right in the beginning of, uh, of Genesis, right? Chapter 3. Um, 
You see the first prophecy of Jesus right after sin came into the world, right? In Genesis 3, God tells uh, the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman and he will crush your head. And he's talking about Jesus here. That's a prophecy about the coming Christ. Uh, uh, God the Father says to the, to the, to the devil uh, that I will put enmity between you and the woman and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. That was a prophecy of where the devil bruised Jesus at the cross and where, where Jesus defeated the devil and crushed him at the cross, right? So again, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, okay? The cornerstone was the, 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 the most important stone in the foundation of any building that was built in that time, right? It would support two walls and, and it was, you know, so Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. Everything is built on Jesus, okay? Check with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone of that foundation, okay? And again, that's why we're always driving you to come into relationship with Jesus and to grow in your relationship with Jesus because he is the foundation and he's the only foundation for our lives, right? Verse 21, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. We are, as a body of Christ, right? We're one body. We're one building. And he's not talking about, you know, a physical building here, right? Um, he's talking about a spiritual building, right? In him, the whole building, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together. We're all we're all part of the same family, right? We're part of God's household. We're part of the body of Christ. We're, uh, we're part of the bride of Christ. We're all related. We're one big spiritual family. In him, the whole building is joined together. Jesus joins us all together, holds us all together, right? He's the glue that holds the whole universe together, right? Uh, Colossians 1 um, verses, I believe, 15, 16, and 17, right? Jesus created everything and holds it all together, right? Um, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, and in him, Jesus, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Wow. You see that, that, that God actually lives in us. The spirit of God, God, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity lives in us. And in him, Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If, if you're in Jesus Christ today, the spirit of God actually lives inside of you and goes with you everywhere you go and gives you life and is continually pointing you to Jesus Christ that we might know our heavenly father better, that we might have deeper and more intimate relationship with Jesus and that we might know him, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, right? In him, the whole building is joined together and become, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, okay? He's not talking about a physical building here. He's talking about we're a spiritual building and we're a holy building in Christ, right? It's this incredible, incredible picture. Um, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, that we are part of the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, that we are a dwelling 
in which you live in us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do live in us. Father, we thank you that we aren't foreigners and aliens anymore. We thank you that we are fellow citizens with your people. And we thank you that we're members of your household, Father. Father, I do remember when I wasn't in Christ, Lord, and I thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for becoming a human man for me, living a perfect life for me, and dying a perfect death for me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our peace. I thank you that you are alive and risen, and you yourself are our peace, Lord. Lord, I ask you to draw all people from all over the world unto you, Lord. Draw them unto you, Lord Jesus, that they might receive you and know you, be saved from their sin, and become a part of our family. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal the message to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.